This is James Corbett of CorbettReport.com with your Sunday update for this 10th day of April 2011. And now for the real news. Making headlines this week, fallout from the bankster-created, derivative-fueled, worldwide economic crisis spread this week as Portugal became the next European government to admit it was unable to finance its own unsupportable debt burden. On Wednesday, the Portuguese Prime Minister admitted that the country is looking for the European Union to bail out the country to the tune of 80 billion euros. Portugal's Prime Minister José Socrates has confirmed his country will be asking for an EU bailout. The announcement comes after his finance minister said on Wednesday that international money would be needed to cope with high debt after failing to raise funds on the international market. Portugal had resisted asking for a bailout, but it missed its 2010 budget deficit target. Speaking in a televised address, Socrates said that he tried everything else and that not making a decision would put Portugal in unnecessary danger. He said it was his duty to put national interest above everything else, so he and the government would be asking the European Commission for financial help. Although by no means unexpected, the news nevertheless comes as a severe blow to the peoples of Europe, who will now be forced into even deeper debt to the international banking oligarchy in the name of debt racked up by politicians to the banksters. Meanwhile, the Finnish finance minister, a globalist mouthpiece and Bilderberg attendee, has made it clear that the ruling oligarchy will make this process as hard on the people of Portugal as possible, promising strict austerity measures as a condition for the bailout. Some countries don't take care of the public financing that well that the market would be would trust on them also but uh, we have to do what we have to do and the package must be really strict because otherwise it doesn't make any sense to to guarantee anybody's loan we have to make sure that whatever we do it will help Portuguese economy to recover now analysts are predicting Spain will be the next domino to fall in this planned collapse of the eurozone paradoxically however rather than denouncing the European Union as a failed experiment in globalism the proponents of the EU monstrosity are using this as a chance to argue for a further integration of the European economy under the dictatorship of the European Central Bank. And uh, if Spain is to, uh, obviously failing and helping, uh, is also asking for help from the community, this will possibly uh, be a big problem for the Eurozone. On the other hand, what the markets want to see, of course, is that the weak partners of the Eurozone and the strong partners of the Eurozone are melting together. They are calling this the transfer union, which is heavily discussed here in Germany. Nobody wants this transfer union, but at the end of the day, it will be introduced like the Euro itself, because the Euro cannot survive without this transfer union. On the other hand, of course, a transfer union means that uh, wealth is transformed from the richer countries to the poorer countries. And of course, the question remains, how can you help those countries if they cannot help themselves? Uh, we have uh, a so-called capitalistic system. We have so-called free markets. That means that also bankruptcy must be allowed, not only for big banks and small banks, but also for countries. As long as the system is not working like this, as long as you don't allow bankruptcies, the whole system is ill somehow and has no chance to survive. In related news, Icelanders went to the polls this weekend to vote on a deal to pay the British and Dutch governments for debts racked up by Icelandic bank IceSave.
Exactly why the people of Iceland should be held responsible for the debts of a private banking institution has never been adequately explained, and opponents of the bill say it is a clear example of odious debt, and thus the Icelandic people are not obligated to impose severe austerity measures on themselves in order to pay for these banksters' debts. It seems like a simple question to answer. Should Icelanders repay millions of dollars they're not sure they legally owe in the first place? But the nation is split on this referendum. Some polls put the yes camp ahead, some the no. All of them say it's very, very close. We have two bad choices to choose from, and in that situation you have to choose the one which is less bad, and that's the yes. I'm going to vote no. Because I just think, don't think it's fair that the Icelandic people pay for uh, some big companies that make these mistakes. Early polling results show that the Icelanders have rejected the deal, just as they voted to reject a similar deal in March of last year. Government negotiations on the issue are now essentially stopped, and the matter is likely to be referred to the European Free Trade Association Surveillance Authority. Laughably, the British and Dutch governments are threatening that these poll results will be a stumbling block on Iceland's road to becoming an EU member state, talks about which were slated to begin in June. Earlier this week, UK Independence Party member and member of European Parliament David Campbell lambasted the European Parliament for deluding itself that Iceland even wants to become a member of the EU. In Britain, the first day of April this month is called April Fool's Day. People take great delight in fooling each other. So when some report Iceland is on course to join the EU next year, I think April Fool. For in reality, a survey showed, shows that 64% of Icelanders want to remain independent. Only 24% want to carry on applying. Even 60% of Icelandic businesses are against. Others say Iceland wants the security of the euro. April Fool! Even Portugal's own banks today are refusing to buy Portuguese bonds. Nor will Iceland give up its rich fishing grounds, reducing 40% of its exports, to join the disastrous common fisheries policy. Nor will it abandon an Icelandic parliament over a thousand years old, winner of the UNESCO Award for Democracy. Even with a banking hangover, Iceland, like Britain, remains better off out. No fooling there. Thank you. Finally this week, billionaire bankster and globalist puppet George Soros has convened a so-called Second Bread and Woods Conference this weekend at the site of the International Gathering in July of 1944 that created the modern financial order, including the IMF and the World Bank, and established the US dollar as the world reserve currency. As expected, Soros and cronies like ex-British Prime Minister Gordon Brown and ex-Fed Chairman Paul Volcker have been discussing the creation of a new monetary order that will end the US dollar's reserve currency status and usher in a new era of bankster-inflicted suffering on the peoples of the world. The delegates who came here in 1944 gave the US and the dollar the prime place in the world. 
Does the world need a leader like that now? And if so, if so which economy? Is it still the United States? Well, uh, there's a, a big question whether the U.S. Uh, uh, dollar should be uh, the main uh, reserve currency. And in fact, it no longer is, uh, because uh, it maybe accounts for two-thirds of the monetary reserves. But uh, uh, the euro uh, is, a, is an alternative, and uh, there's a lot of diversification into other currencies, and even more into commodities. We're here to talk about new economic thinking to deal with the problems that arose uh, by the outdated financial system. The Chinese current economic approach has only been in place for a couple of decades. Have they done something right uh, that others should emulate over that time? They, they have done, uh, they were the major beneficiaries of globalization and they were of course the big winners in the financial crash because their uh, economies was largely isolated and their system which is really stands in contrast to the uh, the international system. Let's say there's international capitalism, uh, capitalism with free movement of capital, and then there is uh, what I call state capitalism, where the state basically uh, controls the economy, and that system actually has performed significantly better than the international system. Now, please go to CorbettReport.com to download episode 181 of the Corbett Report podcast, Arab Spring and World War III, where we examine the Middle East uprisings and the steps towards confrontation with China and Russia.